Harness Racing, Victoria Wide. RSN927 is Talking Trots. Yes, good morning and welcome to Talking Trots here. Wonderful Saturday morning. It's the morning after the night before, of course, uh, night one of the Vic Bread Super Series final weekend at Tabcorp Park, Melton, last night and tonight. We turn our attention to the paces with six more Group 1s up for grabs. Not on site. He's had a very, very big week. A very big fortnight, Blake Redden. So he's just relaxing at the moment at home. But Bakes, you'd be excited about tonight, mate. Uh, you're right. It's um, it's going to be a great night. I know you're always excellent on the 24-hour backup. So you'll be at your peak tonight after what was a great night of racing last night. But as you say, another six Group 1s. Um, a couple of the glamour divisions, I guess, of the pacing boys going going later in the night through the quaddy legs and plenty to look forward to. All right, let's see if we can get through half the program in the first half of the show. Then we'll pull up, um, do our jog work, and then get into the second half of the program. Plenty more group ones at the back end, but we'll start with the first race in the program, throwing out the rundown as we have over the last couple of weeks with the Vic Bread Super Series on. First event on the program, national rating 80 to 94 race. This is a brand new world, of course, as we know. This would probably equate to like an M1 to M3 kind of a situation. Um, really intriguing sort of a Fair. Wardan looks to be the one to beat for mine. I'm going with 3, 7, 11 and 1. Wardan on top. He's look, he's a bit of a mercurial horse. He's been an enigma all the way throughout the course of his career, but he's uh, coming down from Group 1 level. He's got good gate speed. Should be able to find the front here and once he gets there, there'll be zero excuses for him not winning the race. Shelby Bromack was the horse who defeated Wardan um, of course in the Tasmanian Cup, so um, interesting that they're locking horns again back on local soil after last meeting each other in the Apple Isle. Wide front line draw means he, he's not going to get as good a trip as Wardan and that's what separates them here for mine. In for third is the Charging Mower and 4th Arpagus, but I'd also be including, if you're playing exotics here, Jean Luc goes in, the very tough Rock and Roll Eyes goes in, Laredo Torpedo, TCB McRae, who won't know himself in this sort of grade, um, even maybe stretched out to uh, to be good Juddy. So if you're playing those trifect- trifectors and first fours bakes, I'd be, uh, I wouldn't be playing too pretty here, mate, but I reckon, even though he's not the most trustworthy commodity in the world, the Wardan's the one to beat. I've gone 3, 7, 11 and 1. How did you read the first? Yeah, I was uh, I was probably keener just to let them go by for the first, but if you sort of pin me down to one, it'd be John Luke on, on an each-way basis. I think he's sort of improving all the time, but still a big step up in class, so tough race the first. The second is the tab multiply pace, 70 to 79 graded race over the middle trip, 22.40. And again, a pretty tough race, I thought. My Harmony Blue... You've marked favourite just over our bare knuckle, both drawn pretty well and, and to roll forward at the start. Illawong Maestro, Wingatui Jew does have some gate speed drawn out wide and, uh, and then off the back row, Bravey, Bondi and Co. So pretty tricky. It is a tricky race. I look, the way I read it was that there's no frontline gate speed apart from our bare knuckles got okay early toe and uh, my Harmony Blue, even though they don't rip her off the arm uh, every time she goes around these days, she's clearly the quickest off the front row and there's no pressure after that either. So it's going to be a relatively moderate beginning and then after that there's going to be nothing much going on either. So 
It's a situation where I, I think if you're any further than, say, 10 metres off the lead, you're totally and utterly cast here, and there's not a lot really between them for ability. So I'm going to rely on the map very, very heavily second race in the program. My Harmony Blue five starts ago was terrific over the middle trip here at Belton, did a stack of work and defeated Alfred Charlie in 155.4. Excellent, excellent time. Um, had a few lull runs, and then last time out was third in spectacular time again over the short trip in the Richmond last behind Tell Me Tales. So... You know, when she's right and when she's ready to roll, she's a pretty handy mare, my Harmony Blue, and I think she gets the top. And I think once she gets there, she probably wins the race. You have to put a line through our bare knuckles last start performance. All of her previous form is solid enough, and I think she'll really appreciate that beautiful, soft, economical trip in behind the leader here. I'm willing to really, maybe in early quarters, get aggressive and say, we're just going to leave it at one and three and hope that this map scenario that I've uh, I've, I've played out of my mind works in the actual, on the actual racetrack. Um, if you do want to play a bit wider, I'd be including probably three more. Uh, Illawong Maestro's last two runs haven't been near as good as his uh, breakthrough Metropolitan Maiden win, but if he gets back to that kind of form, I think he's a big chance. Five winger to Jew is a class commodity. Been racing in better grade in those claimers, but I just don't know where he gets to in the run. And number nine, Brave View Bondi, continues to catch the eye every single time he goes around of, of recent times. But uh, as mentioned, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rely pretty heavily on my map here. Bakes three, one, four, and five. Your thoughts? Yeah, uh, I thought it was very tough, to be honest. Maybe Illawong Maestro each way, but uh, not not going to commit too heavily early in the card. Race three is the Melton City Council Sprint for the free-for-allers, really the 90 rated to 120, which is the top-line level of what you can get to under the new rating system. This is over the sprint trip, uh, and uh, higher than an eagle's drawn well here. He's likely to start favourite in barrier two, but there is some class drawn out the back. Bernie Winkle, Magical Man, Professor Tom all on the second row. If higher than an eagle leagues, can they run him down? Well, it's an interesting scenario because it's a blazingly quick front line here. Manganello's quick. Higher than an eagle's very quick. Van Dander's very quick. Beach Garden loves to fly the arm and hand up in transit. Reciprocity, we know, has got gate speed. So too is Hickstead. But I think higher than an eagle, as you've mentioned, if he can get across the pole marker, then everyone else with gate speed might just stay right out of it. They might go, OK, well, you're not giving us the front, so um, we're going to leave it up to you, higher than an eagle, to cart us all around. But that's the critical thing. Can he just get across Manganello very quickly, drawn right next door? I think he probably can. And I'm willing to just put a line through the first up performance. He pulled very hard in transit. He was intractable, and he dropped out. He was considered one of the major chances for the four-year-old edition of the... Uh, of the Vic Bread Super Series if that run had been a little more impressive than it was. So, as mentioned, just going to ignore whatever happened. And I reckon higher than an eagle. will get to the front. And once he gets there, no pressure. There's no chair horse in this race, really. Reciprocity can roll forward, potentially. But nobody's going to put genuine pressure on higher than an eagle. So, the only indications are he might not start favourite. I, I would have thought he'd be a very short price favourite higher than an eagle. And I've got him on top. Professor Tom was being aimed at the Lensmith Mole after some magnificent performances uh, earlier this campaign. Last time out, nothing worked out in a race dominated by Anna Malak, but I think Professor Tom can bounce back. Draw is awkward, though, because I think they'll have to stick hard to the pegs. Van Dander and Bernie Winkle, two Glenn Douglas runners, are both racing particularly well. Van Dander just keeps answering the call in terms of rising to the challenge, and Bernie Winkle's got that brilliant turn of speed. And then out to one of your old mates, Magical Man, who'll need everything to go right, but does have the class to figure in the finish. I've gone 2, 8, 3 and 9. I reckon this is going to be another race where you're going to say you're going to stay out a bit. Yeah, look, Magical Man interests me each way. He's obviously going to need some of those early speeds just to to go quickly early and uh, probably even get a tag into the race. But $9 or thereabouts if he comes up near double figures, Magical Man 
Might be an each-way bet for me. The last leg of the early quarter is the first of our Vic Bread Super Series Group 1 races. It's for the two-year-old boys. It's over the 2240, worth $130,000. And Miragon was oh so impressive despite being beaten in his semi-final and losing plenty of ground early and still uh, circling them and going down a nose to forever yin. Pandering couldn't have done anything more in the other semi-final. Do they have a clear class edge on the others? Yeah, I, I think I think so. Uh well, here are the facts and figures. People are worried about the inside second-line draw for Miragon. Don't be, because he lost 40 metres on semi-final night. Even if he has to jag all the way back to last year in an attempt to get off the inside, they won't have to go all the way back to last just quietly. It'll just be a jag, right-hand turn, off the fence. He'll be beyond midfield, obviously, but he'll be with the pack, which he certainly wasn't last weekend. Now, on facts, figures and logic, Miragon pretty much can't lose the race, in my opinion. His major danger in this race is pandering. We've seen these two clash in both heat and final of the homegrown classic on both occasions pandering led miragon was outside the leader and on both occasions miragon handled pandering particularly in the final he was much too good for him has pandering improved yes but miragon has as well if you wanted to have a little knock on miragon and i know this sounds incredibly harsh but two of his last three starts he's loomed to win and hasn't run past the ultimate winner of those races. You are my sunshine on the youthful stakes. And then last start forever year in a uh, semi-final of this series. Now, I know people will say, how was he ever supposed to run past that winner after all the work that he did just to tack on and get into the race? But there's still that 2% concern, 1% to 2% concern about just wanting to go straight past a, a horse in front of him, Miragon. But look, he's the best horse in the race and he should be even shorter than he is with fixed odds markets. Pandering's the second pick for mine. I thought Forever Yin was a legitimate blowout chance and worth consideration for your early quarters and definitely your exotics. And I've thrown in for fourth Beale Street Bakes, but on the evidence we saw last Saturday night, no matter even if things worked out perfectly for him, he couldn't win the race. Yeah, well, I guess the, the question mark is... Can he find a turn of speed if he isn't used up in the early stages because he, he seemed pretty one-pace even in his heat win and then again on semi-final night. So um, obviously plenty of water to go under the bridge there, but uh, I, I agree it's hard to see him turning the tables. Race five is the first league of the main quarter, the Art Major Vic Bread Super Series, two-year-old Phillies final at Group 1 level, uh, again over the 22.40 metres, as all the finals will be. And this looks a race in three. Amelia Rose has drawn the pole as a clear favourite with tab fixed odds, but I see not your markets. Gemstone's drawn barrier two, uh, won by a narrow margin in her semi-final, beating an, uh, a rank outsider in the Pantheus, but still did the job. And Margie has drawn outside the second row, and you've marked her favourite uh, despite that poor barrier draw. Yeah, really interesting races. We're seeing from the same hymn book, I think, with our top tip, Majita. But uh, what's going to happen in the first 200 metres? Now, there's two scenarios. Amelia Rose is not going to want to keep the front. I'm almost certain of that. So just gemstone, just get across Amelia Rose relatively quickly. They settle into into stride, and then Majita makes the mid-race move and works up outside the leader. Or... To Stars by the Beach, who's got this electric early toe, get across everything early? Because I believe if David Moran really wants to, he will with Stars by the Beach. The problem is Stars by the Beach can get pulling under those circumstances. There'd be no lead for Gemstone. In that scenario, Amelia Rose is probably behind the leader. Margita moves up to the breeze. And Gemstone's now in the one-by-one. So they're two very different scenarios. And in either one, 
I want to be with Majida. I just think she's incredibly professional. I think she might have just an element of class and speed. Maybe not speed over Amelia Rose, maybe not strength over Gemstone, but has a little bit more of both than either of them, if you know what I mean. So I'm going with Majida on top. I, I'm, I'm quite confident she will win the race. The major danger, I thought, might be Gemstone if everything worked out for her early. She did get home in a very slow final half. It was a tough, strong win, but um, they got home in a, you know, a slogging final half in her semi-final. Amelia Rose is going to need a lot to go right. I think we agree she wasn't spectacular at semi-final level of the series, but we saw at heat level if she gets a very soft run in behind the leader and can use that devastating point-to-point speed that she has, that she can win the race. I don't think anything else can win. Alice Kay, she's going to get into the wrong spot. I think she's as good as anything in the race, but I think she's just going to get into the wrong spot. 13, 2, 1 and 8 for me, and I think you're with Margita as well. Yep, pretty confident she can uh, she can go around park and win. I would be throwing uh, horses like Power of Faith and the Pantheist and Alita into your, into your wider first walls. I'd play almost the, the entire field for fourth, really, but yeah, at the top end, I'm pretty confident Margita wins and, um, and Gemstone will run second or third, so you can work some trifectas and first falls around those sort of theories, but I reckon it's time we go to a break. This morning on Talking Trots, we've still got a large portion of the program to go. The, the Glamour Division, the four-year-old boys and the three-year-old boys still to come in the Vic Bread Super Series, and we'll keep Talking Trots after this. The Weekend Review, The Weekend Preview. RSN 927 is Talking Trots. Seven races to get through on this preview of night two of the Vic Bread Super Series finals weekend. But, Bakes, before we get stuck into the rest of the form, Harness Racing Victoria, you've been a major part of this, have uh, delivered with Punter's Paradise. This is something that was inaugurated late last year for the Inter-Dominion Series. It is the most expansive, I guess, comprehensive form guide that um, well, I've ever been involved with and one of the best I've ever seen. I'm happy to say that even though uh, I was a part of it. Take the punters through how to get hold of their Pundas Paradise and what offerings will be available, please, mate? Yep, no, it's pretty straightforward. If you want to have a look, you can uh, you can either just go to the trots.com.au, you'll see a big banner for Pundas Paradise, or you can search Pundas Paradise on Google. It's, uh, it's not too hard to find if you're looking for it, but I mean, really, you can, right now, you can go back and look at last night and see how wrong we got it. There'll be race guides still up for Friday night at, uh, at Melton, but also for tonight, and uh, plenty of work done, obviously. Um, I don't think you or I will be taking too much credit. Tim Hallett, the man at HRV, is uh, is really the driving force behind this, and he's been up all hours putting it together. You've got your, your speed map comment, you've got your speed maps, uh, you've got your video previews, which you've done for every race tonight. We've got driver stats, uh, which is is really good to have a look at to see which drivers have, have good records at Melton, and uh, plenty more there. Comments on all the heat runners and video replays of all the heats and semi-finals, so uh, it's just, just a hub, I guess, is what we're calling it for all the information you need to to have a look and have a bet tonight at Melton. Yeah, flux, racing patterns, gate speed, uh, ratings, everything, it's its its comprehensive. It doesn't mean you're necessarily going to win, but it gives you a better opportunity, we hope. All right, we'll continue our preview now. Race six in the program is the Rock and Roll Heaven Vic Bread Super Series final for the four-year-old Entires and Geldings. Now, I wrote in the form comment that the Killers had a song called For Reasons Unknown more than a decade ago, and uh, if it hadn't been so long ago, they could have been writing about why Rack em Up Tiger Pie is still yours for theirs, $2 going into this race, because what he did at semi-final. Well, basically when Poster Boy was taken out of this series, he was a clear number one seed. Then he's gone to heat level, produced a huge performance in defeat. 
stepped up another notch into the semi-final. Terrific time, 155.8 from the Breeze and crushed his rivals. He's got the wide second line draw again tonight, but he'll just do the same thing. He'll just wind around to the Breeze and uh, and eat these alive. Three Summers is the most obvious danger. Obviously, he was the conqueror from a one-by-one position following Rackham Up Tiger Pie. Heat level of this series, and he's likely to be in the same spot here. I thought American Zest was a great place bet from the pole marking drawer. He might be one horse closer than he was at semi-final level when really catching the eye. Major times, I think he's going to be cast into a similar role as to last week when leading and probably getting monstered ultimately by Rackham Up Tiger Pie, but you'd also be including the other Emma Stewart runners, Lift and Talk and Tam Major in your exotics, but I've got no doubt about the winner, Rackham Up Tiger Pie. Just quickly, your thoughts, Bakes, on whether Ideal Some Magic will try those early race heroics that he did last week, or whether they'll say, we tried, it didn't work, we're going back at the start. Uh, it's a good question. It's a it's a good question. I suspect they'll have a go. I mean, what have you got to lose? It's a, it's a Group One race. If he's out the back, he would uh, he would need all sorts of luck to even place in the race. And if he can get over the pegs, and maybe he's improved off last week, then maybe he can run a better race. But uh, I wouldn't be totally committed to that to that view that he goes forward. But that was sort of my initial read on. And everything you've had to say just there is uh, is really warm my heart because. I have had a small bet on Rackham Up Tiger Pie all in on the series, and uh, I do think he's clearly the horse to beat. He's at the two dollars ten tab fixed odds, so we might have to um, call a bank manager. Absolutely. Uh... Race 7 on the card. It is the uh, ultimate Machete Vic Bread Super Series final for the four-year-old mares. This is a trick. This is the trickiest race of the Group 1s to map. Although, I reckon Nostra Villa, if, it really, if they really want to hold the front, if the puppet does, I reckon they can. Um, was a little chunkier than Emma Stewart would have liked coming back from a long break, but the heat run was actually okay, and then the semi-final run was very, very good. Um, Pistol Abbey, we know, is absolutely, you know, she's just racing in phenomenally outstanding form, but she hasn't got great gate speed. Nostra Beach, I don't think will do a stack at the start, even though she also has early toe and frankincense from the widest draw has early speed as well but I don't think you get across the pole marker so at least initially I think Nostra Villa will lead what happens after that becomes more confusing does she keep the front and try and lead all the way third up from a long break or if Pistol Abbey makes a dramatic mid-race move will they hand the front to Pistol Abbey and control the race in that respect I honestly think that they're probably the only two you need in your quarters Pistol Abbey and Nostra Villa I've gone 2-1 12 and 4 I just get the feeling that Soho Burning Love, even though she was horribly disappointing last weekend, can bounce back, and she's such a high-quality mare on her day. that I wouldn't want to be leaving her out completely. And Bronsky Bell, I can see the run was massive at semi-final level, but I feel like she'd have to go to a whole new level to win this race. So while I can see the performance was really good and that she's some sort of chance with perfect luck, I'm happy probably to risk her to some degree. I've settled on Pistol Abbey to win. She's not any sort of moral because of her racing pattern and where she'll get to, but she is right here here and right now the best mare in the race and one of the best mares in the country, 2 one, 12 and 4 bakes. Yeah, there's two ways you can look at this. There's, there's one that says that Pistol Abbey's already proven herself better than all these and she should just go on her winning way. She's got high speed, she can lead, she can sit off pegs, it doesn't really matter. But uh, the more I think about it, the more that this just screams danger. Nostra Villa and Nostra Beach have both been excellent improvers from heat to semi-final level. Major occasions, a top quality mare. Caitlin Clark is flying, so her burning love you've mentioned, Bronsky Bell. I I don't really know about this. I'd be playing a few different levels of the quaddy here because uh, yeah, it's got danger written all, all over it for me in terms of maybe a blowout on the night. Can't really pin one down, but um, certainly stagger them. Have have Pistol Abbey and Nostra Villa in your top top line quaddy, but I'd be playing wider for Savers. Race eight on the card is the last leg. Of the quaddy, the better than Cheddar Vic Bread Super Series for the three-year-old Colts and Geldings. 
another $130,000 final over the middle trip. And Hurricane Harley, he hit back with a vengeance last week in his semi-final. He won uh, with something in hand. He's a $1.50 tab fixed odds over Demon Delight at $3.50. Out to plays now into $7 and the only other horse in single figures. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be another intriguing race. Obviously, look, Hurricane Harley. Do you want to use him up at the start here and get him potentially off stride? I think he might just be balanced up. It's not a brilliantly fast front line, is it? That they've got some speed. Malcolm's rhythm, Nancy's boy, out to play even Hurricane Harley. Ultimately, I think one way or t'other, uh, Hurricane Harley will get to the front and out to play, should be able to control or protect that position um, to end up in the trailing role. And if that's the case, then Hurricane Harley, look, if he replicates his last start performance at semi-final level of this series, he will just win the race. He's a rock star when he's right. According to the Alan Jakovic of Australasian pacing in the form comment this week, out to play and Demon's Light of the major dangers. Demon's Light was huge at heat level, then pulled and was actually really, really good even in defeat at semi-final level last weekend. Out to play, I still can't quite get my head around the performance. I know you liked him, Bakes, but I don't think anybody could have predicted that he could lose 15 metres or something, getting dragged back, then pull out. No doubt Gavin Lang's drive was an absolute ripper, and it's been uh, memorialised pretty heavily since the race, but the performance of the actual horse was phenomenal, so... He goes in the mix. I don't think anything else will win. Malcolm's rhythm, if he had perfect luck, could possibly be a small danger. And I'm Sir Blake. I wouldn't be surprised if he bounced back being driven off speed here. Four big men, the other one you definitely have to include in what might be relatively tight exotics. But I'm going with uh, one of my old favourites, Hurricane Harley. I think he's maybe a touch too short in fixed odds markets, but he's the benchmark runner, 2, 9, 1 and 4. A couple of things to work through here. I went with the analogy of Shane Warne a couple of weeks ago when I did some form comment for Hurricane Harley. I don't know how you feel about that, but I thought it was a good descriptor myself. Yeah, um, he's yeah it's an interesting... He's not, he's not, uh, he can be in and out form-wise, I guess, but he's more just a wild child and gets things horribly wrong at times. Well, that's right. That's right. And, 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 and I think that's that's the reason why if, you, if you're looking at a dollar forty or a dollar forty-five, you've just got to be a little bit careful, knowing that there's, I don't know, you'd have to go through all the performances and see how many times he has made a meal of things. But that that, that you have to deal with that factor it in. That's why I've marked him around a dollar seventy because, like I say, if he does everything right, I can't see how he'll possibly lose the race, Hurricane Harley. But um, on the flip side, if he's if he's in a mood, then he'll just do whatever he wants to do. And I think the problem is more going to be at the start here than at the finish. I don't think he'll shy at any shadows at Tabcourt Park Mountain tonight, but you will have your heart in your mouth at some point. Yeah, and uh, out to play, I've got some concern that he might get crossed early. From the second row, I know it's a totally different beast, but from the second row in his semi-final, he was sort of chased along just to hold that position three poles. So... Some concern there. I think brevity is not the worst place bet in the world. At, at sort of ten dollars a place, he's he's obviously flying, and uh, he will need luck from out the back, but can run well. Race nine on the card is the Vincent Big Bread Super Series for three-year-old fillies at Group One level. We've got a very short price favourite here, Cool Laura, dollar oh five. So you've marked her a dollar twenty bond. You might be taking her on here. Uh, looking fabulous is the tab second favourite at double figures. Vina May two times better. What say you? Uh, yeah, no, look, she'll probably win the race, won't she? The only time she's been beaten this season is in races featuring Princess Tiffany Orbell of Montana. So um, she seems to have these uh, these fillies covered, doesn't she? She just beats them every time she goes around. She's drawn relatively well. She should find the front. There has to be some little minor concern. She, I've used staggered over the line in her semi-final. It probably wasn't quite that dramatic, but she just seemed like she was all out for some reason, Kualoa, in her semi-final of this series. The thing is, if there was 
one other really high quality uh, filly in this race that was racing in totally ripping form. Um, you'd think to yourself, okay, I might want to take Kula Ron. I just can't find who that is. Obviously, Vina May is very good, was great in the Victoria Oaks final and terrific at semi-final level of this series last weekend. Two times better, you know, very talented also, but was over-raced a bit and didn't quite do things right at semi-final level. And Looking Fabulous is just a surprise back. And I don't think Emma Stewart would have thought that Looking Fabulous could live in the same world as Kualara going into this series, but she just is coming through the series and developing through it so spectacularly well. I'm going to take the coward's way out. I'm still Still going to tip cool lower on top, but it's just a little bit of a caveat emptor buy beware situation for mine over 12, 8, and 3. But a little bit, a bit like what you said with one of the earlier races, I'd be playing really wide here in exotics because there's something to like from a first four perspective about just about every horse engaged. Yep, I'll, uh, I'll single out sounds like art and single trip yep. road is the two I'm most keen on, but you're right, you can throw most of them into first fours. Right, we get to the last couple of races, we can probably rip through these. The uh, 10th is the Claimer, and two clear chances here. Lucky Lombo off the front, and no Apache me off the back. Yeah, the Kerry's been very short in some markets that I've seen so far, but I do think it's a two-horse race. Basically, logic would dictate, you know, if you, if you didn't know the horses very well and you're just doing them on facts, figures, and numbers, Lucky Lombo shouldn't lose the race because he's going to find the front very easily. I don't think there's any mid-race pressure, and no Apache Me is going to be off the speed, Lucky Lombo dominating at the top end, and we've seen him in races like this. He slips them at the 400 and they can't run him down, or the 500 and they can't run him down. For some reason, I'm just so attracted to the to the way Noah Apache Me is racing at the moment that I think that he could come from off the speed, even if Lucky Lombo does get an easy run, though, and get the better of him. Um, he will need some tempo. You couldn't have a 46-second lead time, 31-31, and Noah Apache Me win, because I don't think he's going to race in the breeze here. Dakiri will probably occupy that role, but um, looks a really good betting race, as uh, we've referenced, because it does look a race where you could pretty much narrow it down to 5 and 8 and to 5, 7 and 8, and then a few more for 3rd and 4th. Beach Boy Adios is the one I'd definitely be throwing in your exotic somewhere, and maybe even a straight-out place bet, because I think he can hold up and uh, take up the position behind the leader, which will be Lucky Lombo. And his last couple of runs have been pretty good. My numbers are 8, 5, 7 and 1. I'll be having a good go at this race, Bakes. Last on the card uh, is as wide as the Sydney heads, as they say. I'll pin the tail on Art Cheever Chapel each way. What do you say? I reckon it's as open as the Sydney heads. We'll talk through some of those things later on. 5, 13, 1 and 9. I'll just go on run, safari run. I'll take a, a Blake Redden attitude to this race. I'm not going to get heavily involved in unless things have gone exceptionally well or exceptionally poorly. Feel the Buzz has a happy knack of winning these sorts of races. He hasn't won too many races, but he usually does it under these circumstances. He was good enough in his heat. 2 for 60 was massive odds. They're going to want you to take a much shorter price tonight, but Paul Mark and draw an impressive heat winner of the series. And then you also have to throw in Art Cheever Chaplin, probably forever and a day as well, but don't love the race, Bakes, but I've got Run Safari run on top 5, 13, 1 and 9. Right, I think uh, our absolute best, we're just going to team up here and say rack them up, Tiger Pie is unbeatable at $2.10. Anything else for us? Uh, I reckon it's a little bit of value. I reckon my harmony, Blue's worth getting involved with. I reckon it leads and wins. I like higher than an eagle, particularly if you're getting anything better than, say, $2.50, $2.80, because, like I say, if you'd never seen that first up run, you'd think that that, that was exceptional. I think we're both heavily in the camp of Marjita in the two-year-old Phillies final as well, Bakes. Go well tonight, Bon. You too, Bakes.